Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton, and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football, whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision, or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news, every weekday lunchtime, on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Chels. Well, blimey, what a week. So much happened. So much to discuss. But firstly, of course, we should just pay our respects to the royalty, to the family, to HRH, Queen Elizabeth II, all those sort of things. Just a moment's silence in respect. And we move on. So, where do we go from here? Well, first of all, we better see who we have in the building. We have Gary Hayes. Hello, Gary. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Weird week, isn't it? I mean, we've got so much to go through. We won't break it down yet. But are you getting through your last week since we spoke about Chelsea stuff and everything seems so clear? Well, nothing's happened with the actual football, is it? <laughs> well, actually, yes. Quite a lot's actually happened. We actually played a game last Tuesday. We'll get to that. Oh, yeah, OK. Yeah, but <laughs> so we started the week with a new prime minister and then we got a new manager... And then we've got a new monarch. Yeah. Mental. Absolutely. And, well, let's get our next guest in here, making his first appearance of the season. It is none other than Mr. Seb Fontaine. Seb, how are you? I'm really good. And it's really good to be back. I was missing everybody. And I was just, you know, going from festival to festival, thinking how much I missed all my Chelsea buddies. 
<laughs> well, we're here, we're here. Well, you could always take us around the festivals with you. Maybe we could do the Chels on the road. That could be fun. It would be noisy, but it would be a lot of fun. Exactly. Well, let's think about it. Let's think about it. There's a, there's a cheery thought. How, how's your week been? Um, have, you, have you been bemused, confused, amazed by the, the comings and goings of the week? Um, no, really. Uh, I, look, I, I, funny enough, look, I, I have been this weekend, I've been all over the country. So I've been kind of quizzed by Man United fans, Liverpool fans. I've had some, you know, loads of different fans all going, you know, talking, all going, isn't it a bit harsh, bit harsh, you know, six games into the season. But when you kind of look at six wins in the last 16 games, the end of last season was truly awful. But I think, uh, look, did I want Thomas to go? No. Did I see it potentially happening soon? Yes. And I think the the real problem is not the loss of games or, or not winning the games. The the real problem was losing the dressing room, I think. I mean, you could see the players. And we've seen that that particular problem has been the death of many a Chelsea manager in the past. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. So, I mean, before we get into the, the nitty gritty, how has your summer been, Seb? Have you been out just gigging constantly has it has it been a real is this the first summer where you've actually returned to full-on working out there so did i miss did i just jump the question and answer a completely different question was were you asking me about my summer and then i've just won, no, wandered no, no, into no, why no. thomas got sacked <laughs> no 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 not at all no i you you were you were just one thing led to another okay. and i thought well i'll just pull it back and just <laughs> Just go personal for a minute and, mm. and just see how how it's been, if this has been a, a return for you to, to the gigging ways and extreme days. I tell you what's very odd. Uh, we seem to have got into, as a British kind of festival going public, we seem to have these insanely busy summers. I mean, some weekends I was doing three or four festivals. Um, and, and, I mean, I've spoken to so many people this week and everyone's, work diary drops off a cliff in November you'll have a little blip for December and then it won't pick up again till March so it's kind of you know what used to be an annual just year-long thing seems to be very seasonal and I don't know whether that's from you know people you know post-Covid you know the winters were definitely a more worrying time or whether we've just literally become a, a, a nation of festival goers but the summer has been amazing I've had the best best summer uh, and it's been so busy I've been you know one day I was in North Wales the next day I was in Torquay, then I was up to Newcastle. I mean, I've been crisscrossing the country. So, you know, it's, it's been really good. I mean, just I think after COVID, some of these long journeys I might not have planned in the past. Now I'm just happy to go wherever there are people dancing. Oh, fair enough. Well, you know, if you're very lucky, you might get Gary up and dancing by the end of this podcast. You never know. Is that really, is that, my is summer that really is, lucky? My summer is next summer. My summer is next summer. What's it? I will be dancing. Are you? Well, for, it's funny. From March to the end of Ju- July, I will be dancing. Is that a pride thing? You coming out? What's going on? What's is there some? No, I, I have um, I have seven Bruce Springsteen shows that I'm going to. Oh. From Rome to Washington DC, <laughs> and you're going to be dancing at all of them. To Birmingham. To lo- oh, I'm going to be dancing in the dark. Seb. <laughs> Thank God, I wouldn't want to see light on that. <laughs> well, when it's in the dark, they carry the clothes come off. 
No, look, th this huh? is really too scary, <laughs> all of it. I, I, can't, I can't cope with any of this. I mean, it's bad enough. I've got video of you behind a closed door, before I say. Uh, in the shower, said. In the shower. He filmed me in the shower. Please don't. With the door shut. While he, while he sung Thunder Road Please, the whole way through. Please don't ever share that video, ever, ever. Oh, I tell you, <laughs> if people want it, I'll tell you. I'm going to do a bootleg of it. Gary Hayes, live in the shower. The uh, bootleg series. The bootleg series of one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what I said to uh, Mike Canaris when we were recording... Our song recently, Kerr, I said, if, if there was a shower, I would have been better performing on it. Yeah, well, that, that's also very true. Um, in, in fact, you'd have been better just not performing. Um, and we can't really talk about what we're referring to well, here. Well, just, just so you know, Seb, we're musicians now. We're singers, Kerry and me. Well, I've always been one, so, you know, you're... You, we've you're been, been in the studio recently recording, singing. Doesn't that just make you singers, not musicians? Oh, you know, percussion. <laughs> no, there was no percussion going on. Yeah, because yeah, we were going... Yeah, so, clapping. Yeah, but you weren't. <laughs> That's percussion to me. You looked confused and bemused <laughs> the whole time you were in front of the mic. What do you mean, raise an octave? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what do you mean? Can you sing anywhere near the tune? You know, all those sort tune? of strange things. Yeah, tune, I didn't realise. Notes move up and down. Or Auto-tune is my preferred. Well, I'll tell you something, it was not working. Anyway, this will all be revealed in the coming weeks um, uh, because it's part of our documentary series we're doing about Chelsea, the blueprint, but we shall move on. You are in it, Seb. Yeah, I remember yes. doing it. I, I enjoyed doing that. Yeah. yeah, it was good fun. So, OK, well, look, let's... Now we've got all of these things out of the way, um, we, should, we should just... God, go back in time six days... To uh, to uh, Chelsea playing in the Champions League, their first game away, and we thought, well, this is going to be all right, isn't it? Off to Croatia. Um, what were your thoughts, Gary? Because we talked about it and we saying, well, it, you know, we're not scoring a lot of goals, but this should be a nice, pretty simple start. And first twenty minutes were good, as always. <laughs> um, you could see some good combinations, and look, I. Everyone knows the negative stuff, so let, I'm just going to talk about the positive stuff, so I don't sound like a, a you know, a curmudgeon. But um, I, I thought that first 20 minutes, um, I was chatting to Andy about it because on our WhatsApp group you weren't around, so we were just chatting together, and I just thought you could see the combinations between Havertz and Aubameyang. Obviously, it didn't come to anything. Um, but I just saw off, okay, these guys have got something going on here. And then Sterling was chipping in as well. It just felt like no one wanted to pull the trigger. And I think if they had, there was a time when Aubameyang was through and he had that half a second of the goal opened up for him, but he decided to square it. Um, and I just thought seeing it, it filled, <laughs> we know how the game went, but it filled me with a lot of optimism. Because I just think that yeah, I've been an advocate for a long while of Mount dropping deeper. I think that is his role, playing as an eight. Um, not that it worked, but I think it didn't work for the fact that Kovacic, bless him, was chasing shadows because he's just not fit. Um, and I think that attacking three, once they get going, I just thought you could see something. Not that it worked that game, but you could just see something that you know they were reading each other's game. There, there were these combinations. And I just think that now with the new manager in place, as that, as that develops, if he goes without as an attacking three... I wouldn't be 
too concerned. Obviously, I want Mason Mount to feature in the team, but I think him playing as an eight would be better. But yeah, um, just seeing that opening 20 minutes filled me with a lot of optimism for what's going to come. It was just the remaining 70 that sort of was, you know, made me feel annoyed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Seb, can, when, when you look back now with hindsight, do you think that was a micros- microcosm of everything that's been going wrong for Chelsea in the fact that we start off pretty well in many games, but as soon as something happens, we kind of seem to lose the plot. Is, is this, was this coming to this head with Tuchel uh, and the new owners? Has this been brewing for a while? And are the performances on the pitch were they something for us to really worry about going forward, especially having spent nearly 300 million? I, I, I definitely think there's something to worry about. It, it kind of, I, I think it, on paper, we've got an amazing squad. I kind of get the impression there are a lot of, there's, there's a fair amount of unhappiness. And, it, you know, I, I think some of it, it's reported that some of the, you know, the more homegrown players are not happy with the, the treatment of some of the other, you know, the younger players, let's call it. Um, I, I think Thomas Tuchel has been guilty in the past and the beginning of the season of not putting out the best teams or, or not showing enough respect to teams maybe that were lower down the table. Um, and I think, you know, you've only got to see how well we played against Tottenham and then absolutely were horrendous against Leeds and, uh, and, and you know, and, and lower teams. And I just get a feeling that, there just is a little bit of team spirit that, that, and maybe you're right, when something goes bad, maybe just that, you know, we haven't got that fighting spirit as a collective at the moment. I, I, I don't know whether replacing the manager is the answer. And it certainly feels like a, a quite a, I don't know if it's a knee jerk reaction, but, you know, we, we, we don't know particularly how, how unhappy that dressing room was, but, you know, I, it, it definitely wasn't, as people report, Thomas getting sacked after six games. It wasn't six games. This stretches back. And, I mean, what do you think, Gary? I mean, when you look at it on paper, when I saw that team, I was really happy. I thought, this is the way forward. But we soon reverted to type. And then we started drifting out of shape. We, we changed formation. We were seeing substitutions at halftime, which to me is always a sign that the manager feels as though he's got the selection wrong or the selection isn't working straight away. And we've seen that quite a bit. Has the writing been on the wall? And actually, should we not be surprised at what actually happened? Or was it still shocking? If the writing was on the wall for him, I, I, don't, I don't know. Look, logic defies football. And if you're going to, Get rid of someone, you know, and Actually, if they want to get sorry, they, shouldn't it be football defies logic? What did I say? Logic defies football. Oh, sorry, I was texting at the same time. <laughs> yes, uh, logic defies football. Can't multitask again. No, and um, well, they, they've got their reasons um, that we're not going to be privy to. I just find it a bit odd because, especially you know, Obama Yang is a too cool signing it's that's got too cool smacked all over it so to have that reaction now i know journalists were scrambling around like oh we knew this was happening but we didn't write about it you know 
Um, there's been talk of a new contract and to, to, to allow him to spend, yeah, okay, it's not spe- spending in his name, but he was at the helm when there's no sporting director as well. And he's, he did a lot in the summer too, cool when he was working with, you know, people who've got no experience in football. That's not to say that they don't know what they're doing. What I mean by that is they've got no experience as in how transfers happen. They've got sporting experience and whatnot, but, um, yeah, so I wouldn't be so ignorant to suggest that they don't know what they're doing, but when they're working in this space and identifying talent, how do you do that? They've used the manager for his footballing knowledge, right? Um, so to have him do that, make these signings in his name, and then it to go so you know so bad so quick, why didn't they just do it in the summer? Because they they had a clear out in the summer. They they gutted the club with you know the previous regime, which. Um, I think I, you know, I agree with, um, and what we've seen since they did that as well, we've seen all the mistakes they inherited. This, you know, myth and this notion that Marina Granovsky was this, you know, transfer guru, and you look at the amount of problems Chelsea were left with that they've had to clear out this summer. That happened on her watch. Um, so it's a bit odd that it's happened the way that it has, and some of the deals that have happened as well. You know, allowing Billy Billy Gilmore to go to Brighton. And the manager that signed them at Brighton is now at Chelsea. Why don't they just say well, you're not going? If they, you know, if, if but did they want to keep Gilmore? Like, who knows? Um, so it's it's just an odd set of circumstances. So when you try to make sense of it, I don't think you can. Um, don't don't you think, Gary? Don't you think it's a little bit one of those situations whereby, and we see this in business all the time, where new owners come into a business, never mind whether it's football or whatever. And an amount of people get moved on from the old regime and they say, oh, your job's safe, your job's safe, your job's safe. But as you start working together, it becomes clear that people are part of an older regime. So the new broom eventually sweeps all the old regime out. Yeah, in one it, do- way or it does. It does. It does. Okay, look, let, let's take this back to um, 19 years ago, right? When... Roman Abramovich came in and bought Chelsea. Um, this is something we go into the blueprint. Must plug it. Uh, go on to any good podcast provider and you'll find the trailer. Um, Once or you've follow done us some at blueprint underscore pod. Yes. Well, the trailer's on there. Um, so, but you, you see what happened there was Roman comes in and yeah, he did what he needed to do. He, he had his big clear out, but he did it really gradually. Um, Kenyon was appointed from United and then Trevor Birch was sort of edged out. And then Ranieri was, for the whole season, a dead man walking. He ended up giving himself... They gave him enough rope that he, you know, hung himself a bit with Hasselbank playing at right wing back or whatever it was against Monaco in the Champions League semi-final. Um, and then Jose came in. It was almost... When you look at it, they were always waiting for their man. And whereas what's happened here is they've had so much to do in such a short space of time. Even if they thought Tuchel's not the guy for the long term. So... And I'm just thinking out, you know, if I was in this position. Okay, Tuchel's not our guy for the long term, but we know this season isn't about winning. Okay, we want to finish as high as we can. We want to do as much as we can, right? Of course you do. But the money they've spent this year, these are investment bankers. They're working from equity funds and everything. They're not expecting a return tomorrow or next week or in in May. They're putting this money in as this long-term investment and they want to build something. So, to allow uh, Tuchel to to stay in situ for a season so that you get rid of him at the end and then you rebuild it, it, it would stand to reason as well, right? If they thought, he's not our guy, but we'll carry on going and then 
we'll, we'll, I, I just think something's happened crazy on that plane home. Something happened where he's very dissatisfied and they've sort of pulled the trigger maybe quicker than they wanted to. I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. But you look at everything that's gone on and it's it's just odd because, and I'm comparing it to 2003, because they did bide their time and they waited for Jose. They waited for Jose to finish up at Porto and then they brought him in. He's our guy. We need a new manager. We don't know who it is yet. And then Jose appears with Porto running down the touchline at Old Trafford and, the, and everyone's like, oh, who's this guy? And Chelsea bring him in and Kenyon's there and... You see what I mean? There, there wasn't so much a process, but they were still like waiting. They thought yeah, we'll keep but, Ranieri there, and yeah. But I mean, um, Seb, I mean, I think you were trying to come in with something there. I mean, what what are your thoughts on this? I, I, uh, I kind of agree with everything you just said, but I, I also think I think when they realised how many young players were unhappy under Tuchel, he clearly doesn't want to lose Pulisic. He didn't want to lose Hudson Odoi, and. Billy Gilmore has a, 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 you know, a lot of fans are really angry about Billy Gilmore leaving. He, you know, he, I, I think he was a promising player. He had some great, some great games for us. But, you know, he's, I don't think he was the answer to all our problems uh, that some people suggest. But I, I just think they thought all of these young, promising kids that we've been bought, that we bought, you know, very young. We've been nurturing them for years and years and years. We're seeing them as the, you know, the Chelsea future. And they're all, they're all leaving. We've lost Tammy Abraham under Tuchel. We lost, you know, and I just get the impression. Tamori. At, yeah, as investment bankers, as we're saying. No, Tamori is Lampard. But but basically, yeah, I, I think they're basically saying we don't want to lose all these assets, all these young players, all these players that we think are the future of Chelsea, that many, many have identified as being really great, talented, you know, potentially, potentially great players. And they're all desperate to leave because they're not getting. But I, what I would say in, in Tuchel's defence is I think it's really hard to build a team of young players when you you're not afforded any kind of risk you know so if you if you if you have half a bad season you know while trying to do something new that you're going to get the sack so i i think there are you know that that's a double-sided coin but definitely i think they saw assets desperate to leave i think by all accounts burley burley really really persuaded hudson adoy to go on um loan as opposed to being sold and i think they were just i i if for me, by the end, it felt like they were just putting out fires. And I think that's when Tuchel's writing was on the wall. Yeah. And also, there's certain things that are going on. I, I, I like the idea that something happened on the plane. But that day when Tuchel was announced as gone, then there's an announcement at 9.30 or something that Chelsea are approaching Brighton to speak to to Potter or speaking to Brighton to approach Potter and speak to him. Uh, and within an hour, Brighton had confirmed they'd given permission. Everything felt as though it had been put in place some time before. And it, it just seems with such a fundamentally difficult industry as football, a very difficult situation was eased through quite quickly. Now, maybe that was just the luck of the draw and it all worked out that morning, but it did have a feeling of this was going to happen, whatever. What do you think, Gary? Or or Seb? You, the maybe. Yeah, m maybe. I think the way football works as well, and look, new owners, as we've been saying, they when they came in in the summer and they were planning and they were doing their due diligence before they even bought the club, they, they probably looked at if we don't have the manager because nobody knew what was going on, right? And 
and this is the thing about Tuchel is that look, my support here is for Graham Potter now, right? Tuchel's gone. As we've been saying this week about a monarch, you know, long live the king now, right? So Tuchel's dead, long live Potter, right? He, he's who's got my support. But as we're just analysing Tuchel, um, he, he worked under extenuating circumstances for the last six months. And the irony here at Chelsea is that in the past, again, different regime, but in the past, we were sacking managers for wanting too much power. Jose went the first time for wanting too much power. Conte went for wanting too much power. We've allowed some of the best managers to go for that reason. And now we're letting Tuchel go for not wanting enough power because they're talking about the fact that he was just stressed after having to deal with all the transfers and he wanted to get back to coaching. And I think you see with some of what's gone on this, this season as well, you know, those early days, you can see some of the disjointed performances that it hasn't looked as fluid, to coin a term. Um, and you look at some of the selections he's made as well. And is that him sort of not having his eye on the ball? Because he's a manager that's all about data and insights and stuff. And if you're not in that and you're out having to deal with WhatsApp messages and calls with agents and identifying this and that, how can we focus on the training? And he's, he's a coach. Yeah, he's not a manager. He's a coach. And that's, that's what we've got to understand. And Matt, Jose wants to be manager. As in, I'm like Dom Revy or I'm like Alex Ferguson. I observe training and I go around, but I run the club. Yeah, Tuchel yeah. is very much of the new breed of I don't care about all that stuff you lot don't do that get the sporting director in to do that I just want to coach these players but yeah, I, but yeah go saying, on, saying that I, I think Tuchel hasn't exactly and it, this is going to sound like I wanted Tuchel to go and I really didn't I've just had you know I've just got to come to terms with the fact and, and why he's gone but certainly there have been big money signings that should have done better and whether that was Tuchel not particularly fancying those players and just working with what he was given or whether he actually, you know, but he certainly didn't seem to put out a formation that played to some players' strengths. And I think, you know, so just being coach doesn't, you know, if you, 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 if you just want to be coach, you've got to do with the best with what you've got. And sometimes I don't think he did. So I'm not even sure if that's, you know, if he was happy just get, getting given what he was given player-wise. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's, look, we're never going to find out the realities. Uh, what I found almost distressing was the message that Tuchel put out where he basically was saying that he found it really hard to come to terms with what had happened to him. I, I can't remember a man manager ever making a statement like that after losing their job. Normally, off they go, get ready for the next job. But he genuinely seemed distressed, didn't he, Gary? Yeah, I think he did. I, when, when I saw he tweeted, um, I thought there was going to be more to it. It was just a, a thread of free tweets. But um, yeah, I was hoping there'd be more. Uh just to get a little bit more of an idea, but it was short and sweet, wasn't it? Um, and you see on his timeline, he, you know, he's not a guy who's on social media, doesn't have to be, but the last tweet he did before that was um, announcing he'd gone to PSG. There was nothing like this when he left PSG, right? I, I think you, you saw his face when the We Are The Shed um, organisation fan group did the Deutsche Maestro, you know, he, he was taken aback by that and he loved it and he, he came to be part of Chelsea. And this is where I lament Chelsea's activity with managers and this is why I hope Potter has got this, this lovely contract now and, and he, he deserves it, right? I love the fact that, you know, just, just digressing for a moment, I love the fact that Chelsea are putting their faith in a, an English manager 
because well, let, let's, co- let's come to that in a minute. I want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, I was, was going to no, say no, so we, I want to do Potter as a separate. Okay, thing. so what what so what I was going to say about Potter is that he's going to understand the club because he's from you know he gets it, and I just think about stuff like program notes and Tuchel got all that. Tuchel bought into that, and he was a cult. The relationship between the manager and the fans. He kept, you know, let's not forget he came in and replaced Frank Lampard. It took me, no lie, what two or three months to warm to Tuchel. Not because it was Tuchel, just because I was so downbeat and heartbroken that Lampard left because I'd make no bones about it. Lampard is my absolute hero and no one will ever replace him. And I was distraught that he went. You'd have Springsteen as manager, wouldn't you? (laughs) I'd have him write the uh, team speeches, maybe. You know, you can talk about darkness on the edge of town now the manager's gone and stuff. (laughs) Darkness Um, on the edge of Stamford Bridge. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, but, uh, you know, and, and he replaced Lampard and in time he, it was actions over words and he completely endeared himself to the majority of the fan base. And to do that when you're replacing the king is pretty incredible. And to, 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 to lose him, what I was coming back to is, um, you know, culture is so important at football clubs and it's something I write about for Chelsea now. And it's something that the blueprint is about as well. And it's something that is so important to a football club. The beating heart of the club is culture. The idea of, and this is where I agree with you, Seb, about you don't want to lose those young players because that's Chelsea culture. That is the the blood of the club, right? As much as Aspie is, even though Aspie has clearly shot his bolt. That, that, that connection from the past to the present to the future. And so when we keep changing managers like this, it's really difficult when, because you know, now we've got to get behind another manager and, and we will, but just to see Tuchel going this way, it was it was disappointing and the, the whole culture of the club shifts again. Um, well, yeah, but yeah, that's, so, that's how it is, isn't it? You know, it's how long do we have to, to remember and then forget. It's always the same. I suppose we've got until the next game, really, don't we? And I, I, and I think that brings us back to kind of what I said in the beginning. It, it wasn't the losses. It wasn't the fact that we were losing these games. It was. I think it was the loss of the dressing room that sealed Tuchel's fate. You know, I, I think if... If they were, you know, a, a cohesive squad, all very happy with with clear love for the manager, I don't think he'd have gone. I don't think those losses did for him. I think it's something else. I think it's deeper. I think it, it's the loss of a player, you know, of young Chelsea players that have been in our academy for years that we've all had our our sights on, wanting to leave straight away, not getting the chances. You know, I think Tammy and Billy and all those guys, I think it, and I, and starting to see more and more wanting to leave, I think that's what did for Tuchel. You know, we want to keep that culture. We want to believe in our young players. And I think the fact that, he, that so many were getting ostracised, I think that was his downfall. I really do. Yeah, well, uh, the the last thought on Tuchel was: Did did you both see Thiago Silva's message to Tuchel? It was uh, incredibly cool. Um, what did he say? I, I tend not to pay attention to this. I know some well, his wife, wacko in a social media company is posting stuff, so I don't even read what players say. But go on. No, but no, he was just very dignified about it and thanked him. It it was just it was what you would expect from our idea of Thiago Silva. But apparently his wife writes most of his tweets. 
is is how the story goes. But anyway, I thought I thought it was quite a dignified uh, little statement from him. From the missus, anyway, from the missus, right, you mean? From the missus, <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah. what did it say? Uh, I can't remember. I haven't got it to hand, but um, I'll dig it out and and I'll send it to you. But um, all right. Well, look, we should go to the commercial break, and when we come back, we will discuss the the a recent arrival of Graham Potter and look forward to. Well, maybe one game, maybe two games, maybe no games. No one knows. We'll be back after the break. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. Right. Okay, Gary, I'm sorry I cut you off before in the first half when you were just about to talk about Potter. But yes, give us your thoughts, because he came in and he came in pretty quick, didn't he? He did. And uh, I wish they had done a better announcement video of him because it was terrible. Oh, that one that came out today. It got delayed because of, you know, the situation with um, Her Majesty the Queen. Um, But yeah, look. You look at uh, what I like about you know, there's going to be idiots out there that look at it and think he hasn't done this, he hasn't done that. But what I like is they're looking for a company man, clearly. And I know I, I, I do think sacking Tuchel the way they have, I think it's an anomaly in terms of what we think their intentions are going to be. I think that they decided, as you know, someone like Matt Law was saying, they realised that Tuchel wasn't going to be the company man, so they sort of thought, just get rid of him. And the way they did it, we can all agree or disagree on whether it was right. They've done it, right? But I, I like the fact they brought Potter in because he's he's not so much under the radar, but he's calm, he's collected, he's very modern in his management style, he's very modern in his thinking. And I like the fact they've gone for someone with the substance over the name because I remember when it came, they were like, oh, Pochettino and Zidane are in the running. I was like, okay, Zidane and Pochettino, <coughs> their names and what, but why? Why are they in the running other than the fact that they're a name or they're connected? You know, Pochettino is a fake, you know, you can say, oh, he's been in the Champions League and stuff. Well, Potter's won more than him because he's won nothing. He was a Spurs and we all know since the last time they won something, you know? Um, so, and Zidane is, and I was looking, well, where's the culture coming from there? What is the plan? What is the style other than getting Zidane as your manager? So I like the fact they've gone for not so much the unfancy types. I think you speak to people in football and they're like, okay, Graham Potter, this is good. And I like the fact, look, this is the English Premier League. I like seeing English players at English clubs. Just like you get in Spain, I marvel at the fact that in Spain, they have a lot of players in the Real Madrid and Barcelona. So I think it's great because it's the culture of the league. And but this is an international league, but I like to see English coaches and players given an opportunity. So if Potter was doing everything he's done for Brighton in the Bundesliga with Union Berlin, who have just gone top of the Bundesliga now, you'd have people falling over themselves, hipsters going, hey, he's doing this with Berlin. We should get him over here to do it with Chelsea or whatever. So it's a massive risk. Um, it's going to be interesting as to whether when things do go wrong, which we know they will at some point, whether they stick with him 
or whether, you know, a few players get upset and agents get in the ears of the owner saying, you know, my player's not playing a lot and he's upset and da 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 whether they actually go with it or whether they bottle it. Um, so I like it. I do like it. I don't like the fact it's come under the circumstances that it's come under, but I like the fact of what they're trying to do and where they're going. Seb, uh, I've got a real, and I'll agree with you there, Gary. I, I've got a sense of excitement. Look, I, I know it's dreadful, but we move on very quickly. We have to as fans. But I have a sense of excitement about this appointment because it's so different. The only time we've had an English manager that I can think of was Frank. And that was almost by default in a kind of a weird way. That just appeared from nowhere. So You've Glenn Hoddle before that, Kerry. Yeah, I was going to say, un- uh, since Glenn Hoddle, we've had no one. It's been constantly... Why are you doing thumbs down? Didn't you like him? To you, no, to you and your knowledge. Well, no, I knew that. I've, that was my You just whole spoke point. to him recently. I know. You're going senile. Yeah, but I, what I'm saying is it's a long time without an English manager. That is... Yeah, it is. Not, it is. You know, that, that is my point. We've had a constant stream of amazing names from the continent, many of whom knew nothing about the English system. And, you know, in a way, Frank... Didn't. I mean, Hoddle had been in a way as well, coming into his first Premier uh, job, Premier League job. It's there are there are sort of similarities here that we Potter has got a chance to now show who he can be. And actually, the one worrying thing I've got, and this was my whole point with the Hoddle thing, is that why did we lose Hoddle as a manager? Because he took the England job. And as we spoke to him, he said, you can't turn your country down. Well, one manager who has been tipped for the England job for the last year or two has been Graham Potter. Now, wouldn't it be just totally Chelsea if we find the perfect manager for us for now and then England come calling and he has to go? So that that was my my sort of analogy was why we were why we are in this sort of strange situation, having an English manager is very exciting on one hand, but if he becomes successful, it could be very worrying on another because we've been through this before with Hoddle. Who knows? But uh, but Seb, how do you think Potter's going to cope with this? Because it's a very different thing going from the Brighton dressing room where you are the top dog because you're the manager when you're going into the Chelsea dressing room and you have to prove you're the top dog and the manager. He talks about relationships with people, about building relationships with people. That is his forte, apparently. How do you think? Well, that's you know, gonna... he's got an MA in behavioural management as well. Yes, you could do with some manners <laughs> and behaviour. I need, I need, I need anger management. <laughs> you do, yes. Well, let's not talk about why you couldn't play football for years. Um, but yes, Seb. Seb, uh, what do you think? Do you think he's going to be able to go in there and do it? Do you think they will allow him the time and the space to be this manager from a club like Brighton? Or will they just get on with it and be professional? I think we've got a really, really good squad of players. I mean, it was a real scattergun approach to transfers this summer. We seem to be chasing anyone and everyone. Um, I think we've kind of, I think it turned on the last day into quite a good transfer window. Um, I think we overpaid, but that's with Chelsea. We do overpay. Um, I'm really happy we've got Graham Potter. I'm glad we didn't go for Pochettino or Zidane. Uh, You know, it's very like Chelsea to go for the sexy managers, the ones that have been linked with, you know, like 
big European clubs. I, I, I'm not sure that Poch is the answer, and I definitely don't think Zidane was the answer. I, I'm not sure that his man management is going to be able to sort out that dressing room. You know, it really does need someone who can get that great pool of talent that we've got and get them all working together, playing for each other and for the manager and for the fans. And I think he can do it. And I'm really, I'm really glad we didn't go for some swanky foreign coach. I love the fact we've got an English coach. Uh, I mean, yeah, I was devastated when Hoddle left for the England job as well. But I have a feeling that this this job, you know, the Chelsea job's a lot bigger than it was when Hoddle was at Chelsea. Um, I, I, listen, I, I think the players will get behind him. I think he's got a lot of respect. He's, you know, despite not managing any of the big clubs previously, he really does have the respect of a lot of coaches. They like what he does. They like the way he goes about his business. Um, and, and there was even, I, I know it might be quite far-fetched, but, you know, when we got Jose Mourinho, I know he'd won the Champions League, but he'd done it with, you know, m relative minnows in the European football and with very few superstars in that team. You know, Jose was a young, exciting coach playing exciting football and he wasn't demanding superstar superstars in every position. That obviously changed Jose, and maybe for the worse. And I just think with Graham Potter, he's seen as someone that can get the best out of that squad, get them smiling, get them scoring goals, and playing football for themselves as much as anyone else. Gary, I, that, that, I think you've summed it up really well there, Seb. But, but Gary, do you think... He's had a few days extra, what with the Fulham game being uh, cancelled or postponed. And now his first game is a Champions League against Leipzig. What kind of start do you expect? Do you expect him to... I mean, look, it's, a, it's all supposition here and we don't do that on the Chels. But, but can you see him changing the shape dramatically? Or do you think he'll ease his way into it? If there's no doubt with this team and the way they've been over the last year and a half... Three at the back is the way that they've got used to and it's the way to have silver in the side working really well. Do you think he won't change too much, that he will just work with it at first and see how it develops? Or are we going to see him come in with strategy that's suddenly very different? Well, I think the way that he plays was similar to the setup that Tuchel was trying to implement anyway. I think that in time, we would have seen a better Chelsea team under Tuchel. And in time, you're going to see a better Chelsea team under Potter. I think that he's had five days of training with the players, which is great for him. I think what's really interesting is... I, I hate hearing this saying of like a season like and unlike any other because we heard all that during COVID and now we've got another season unlike any other. It's like, come on, do a better branding job than that. Um, what's going to be really interesting for him is that he's got a pre-season again in November. So I think what you might see, if there's, if there's any dramatic changes, you're going to see him come post the World Cup because we know that the whole team isn't going to be in Qatar. But equally as well, um, those players are going to be filtering back over time as their teams are getting knocked out. So I do think that you're going to see the changes happening then rather than happening immediately now. But um, I, I don't see why he would want to change it so much either. I think that moving forward, maybe, and this is where I think Tuchel was trying to develop it and trying to move, was that he didn't always have, and players are complaining about, well, I was in the wrong position. Okay, but maybe you weren't right for the club. You know, these are signings that, as we've spoken about, he was inheriting players that were signed under Conte, Sarri and Lampard. And he was trying to implement and phase stuff out and move into a new era, right? So I think Potter now 
he doesn't need to change stuff dramatically. But I think over time, the, the system might change. But there's too many players in too many in in single positions, right? So I think you keep it as it is, um, literally because of the personnel at the back. We don't. I don't think we have a defence that's ready to go back to a back four. I think you do need the back three because you can't lose Thiago Silva. Um, but moving forward, you're probably going to see it. I don't think he'll change it too much. Yeah. I, I, oh, and by the way, it's Salzburg is playing Kerry, not Leipzig. Oh, yeah. God, sorry. Yeah, Salzburg it is indeed. Um, so, yes, you'll be going, won't you, Gary? Yes, and we, we just had an alert from the Chelsea app saying uh, update on the Salzburg game. And I thought, oh, God, here we go. It's on. But it's on. It's yeah. on. Yeah, weirdly, Thursday's game with Arsenal is off. But that's what you get if you play on a Thursday, I guess. Apparently, apparently um, but yeah, of course, we, we still don't know if... if the... Apparently, that's down to who we're playing and they see Arsenal's opponents, which I think are PSV, right, as being more problematic and they don't think they'll get the police to manage the PSV fans. Yeah, I, it's, who knows? Also, as well, um, sorry, I've just got word coming in, is that... Um, <laughs> Chelsea's games are more important than Arsenal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anything to do with Chelsea is more important than Arsenal. <laughs> my, my Arsenal insider has told me Arsenal are upset that they're muggy. So there we go. There Thank we go. you, Arsenal insider. That, thanks, Gary. You, you always have your ear to the ground. And, uh, you know, there you go. So, yeah. Uh, well, look, what do we think is going to happen in the Champions League game? Uh, I'm I'm so curious to see how this pans out. How how does he work with these players? It must be strange, mustn't it, to walk into a dressing room a week ago you were with a completely different set of players, and now you're in with these elect elite footballers. I hate that term, elite footballers. But you've got to. There's now, not many elite footballers in there, though. No, I well, people would say just by the nature of being Chelsea, they're elite. Yeah, but this isn't. It's the thing as well. He's not inheriting JT, Lampard, Ashley Cole, Drogba, Czech, SEN, Makaleli, is he? No. He's inheriting players who could be elite, but they've got a lot more to do to live up to that tag. Yeah. Obviously, Sterling, Sterling's elite. Ab, probably our best player now. Yeah. And, and what do we think? Do we think that we'll get a result uh, on Wednesday? Well, let, let's go for our predictions on this. Um, and actually, before we do that, do you think our game against Liverpool will go ahead? I can't see it going ahead personally. I don't think it will happen. And isn't it uh, isn't it ridiculous? No, but don't you think it's ridiculous that here we are on Monday afternoon, not knowing if a game on Sunday is happening or not? I know these are extraordinary circumstances, but we've had this only a couple of weeks ago with West Ham. Nobody seems to want to make the decision on this when at the time I thought they should have played this weekend because I think football could have shown their their respect uh, and I think it could have been a wonderful moment. And I think we've lost that. But now here we are, not long before the next set of games, and we don't, don't know what's going to go on. I think it'll be off. Yeah, so Seb, Seb saying there about the PSV fans, the police don't want a whole load of scummy scallies coming down to <laughs> London to... Sully, to sully the name, you know, and they're gonna, you know, what they're like. They're gonna be there booing "God Save the King" and everything else, and it's just, it's just gonna be very unpleasant. And that's their right to do that, but you're not gonna do it in our stadium. You're not gonna do it in the capital city. They'll, they'll see it as their opportunity to do it. And I just, hope, I hope that the game doesn't go ahead for that reason because 
I think people need to show a bit more decorum. Yeah. No, and, I, they, and they won't because they don't even know how to spell the word, let alone the meaning of it. There you go. Well, th- thank you very much, our linguistics expert. Um, so, yeah, let's let's move on then. Let's go to uh, the prediction for Wednesday night. Seb, would you like to go first? Who is going to score? the? F- are we going to get the first goal under Graham Potter? I think there's going to be a really decent springboard effect. I think there's a lot of players that weren't that happy, weren't sure about their future. You've now got a lot of players who want to impress a new manager and they really want to work hard and they want to show what they've got to give and that they belong at Chelsea. And I think we're going to win 3-0. Okay, excellent. Uh, And have you got a tip for the first scorer under Potter? Sterling. Okay, Gary, what's your last thoughts on the the game and what's going to happen and your predictions and first scorer for Potter? I think think we will have a good performance for the reasons that Seb said. There's going to be high energy in that team and they're going to want to impress the manager. And I think that I love the fact he's had five days. I don't like the circumstances under which it happened, but I like the fact that the manager's had time to bed in. I always get wary of like, the manager takes over on Friday morning, takes his first session. You're playing at lunchtime the next day. Um, so I like the fact he'd have been working with the players and he's been able to do it away from the public eye as well. Um, we should be beating Salzburg. I think we're still dodgy at the back. So I'm going to go 3-1. And first goal to be scored by Aubameyang. Excellent. Um, and Who what, playing what goal? I'll play Mendy. Because I think he's going to play his best team. Because he's going to want to start getting those players. To, and they haven't played. And there's a risk they not, might not play at the weekend. So I think he's going to want to get his best team out. Yeah, he uh, will. So I think, he, I think he'll play if, Mendy. Yeah, if Mendy's still considered the number one. It's uh, it, it's very interesting. The, pro- the problem is he wouldn't be if there wasn't such dross backing him up. This is the problem. He plays by default. I don't think he's the future number one at Chelsea, but you know, that's another issue for another podcast. But um, I think Mendy plays. Okay. Um, interesting. Interesting. Well, the other thought about if we don't play against Liverpool, our first home Premier League game will be against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Ah. And who signed for them today? Diego Costa could be returning to the bridge. Just not in the way we ever thought. Uh, what do you make of that, Seb? Diego coming back to the Premier League. Do we mind he's playing for Wolves? You know what? I, I, I think everyone has always said about Costa. I loved him. He was a real heir to Drogba. He was a battler. He was a fighter. You know, I, I think we've... I don't think we've ever really, other than Costa and Drogba, ever replaced that Chelsea battler striker that upsets so many defences and so many other fans. And the problem with Costa is he's the kind of player you want on your team and you don't want him on any other team. And if he's on another team, you probably hate him. But I love him. Um, listen, I'd just like to say one other quick thing before we go. I, I, I'd really like to say that I would really think we should be looking at not letting players get down to their last year in, in their contract. Last season was a nightmare with the amount of, you know, you had Christensen, you had uh, Rudiger, and all the agents doing up to their dirty tricks and this and that and every news story. And it already appears 
players that were getting it with Canty already. And it just kind of feels that it's, you know, if players clearly don't want to play beyond the next year, I think they should be sold just because the disharmony that it it sows in the the squad. I mean, I I get there are some players that have probably earned that right, having been here for 10 years to finally move on and do, you know, to one more challenge. But it really does seem to sow disharmony. And I'd really (coughs) like to think that that would be something that we don't let happen again. Because I think last season, that was one of our real, real problems towards the end of the season. No, I, I think that's a very fair point. And uh, I see Rudiger scored his first goal for Real Madrid uh, yesterday. Who? Yeah, Rudiger. Um, don't care. No, neither do I. But wasn't I wasn't bothered I don't when he left. But <coughs> I, I agree with Seb. And we had this conversation where I just, I think I was chatting to you, Kerry, but I just think that in come January... If the likes, you know, the players that are in their last the last year of their contract, Kante is a special case in terms of letting play the season out. But Jorginho, for instance, I don't see how he fits into Potter's way of playing, the way he'll be pressing and whatnot. Um, maybe just do what they did with Barkley, just let him go because they're not going to get money from him in the summer. So just go, look, you can go now. Yeah, you don't, uh, you don't need it. No, exactly. I I think, but I look. They did an awful lot in the summer. This new new regime. They 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 basically ran out of time. Is is what I the way I see it. I think they started late and they couldn't finish late. So it's it's a job I would say that's probably eighty percent done. And there will be residue and there will be problems with with certain signings and certain players that are winding their contracts down. You know, so be it. We can see by the contract length they're giving people, including the manager, that uh, they are protecting their future. So it stays in the hands of the club as to what to do, say, when there's two years to go. Because that's when you should be doing it, isn't it? I think that's why they've given Potter the contract they have, because if the room, you know, they're not thinking, oh, he might go to England, but the FA maybe won't be able to afford him. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I do hope he gets the England job, though, because if he gets the England job, it means he's done amazing at Chelsea. So. Yeah, after 20 years. That's what we want. We, yeah, let's not be talking about Potter for England, for God's sake. He's only just become Potter for Chelsea. So, you know, and I'm sure that the pub down down Chelsea, the Chelsea yeah. Potter, must be waiting for that photo <laughs> opportunity. Got to be, haven't they? Um, you know, that that's that's the thing. All right. Well, look, I think we are out of time. Um, It's been an extraordinary week in many ways, Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure just getting back to talking about football and talking about something that we care and love uh, and seeing that there's a future for Chelsea. It's just not as we imagined it eight days ago. All right, uh, Seb. Great to see you, mate. Absolutely wonderful. Um, We'll start working out the Chelsea on the road, um, the club special. And uh, and Gary, thanks as always for your insight and for having such knowledge with your insiders at Arsenal and everywhere, you know. You know. That Arsenal insider. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Have I ever met him? Would I know him? <gasps> I can't say because it's sort of like the secret footballer. Uh... But I'll tell you, he's... A nefarious character. Oh, I thought you were going to say he had an affair with. <laughs> he wished he had an affair. <laughs> or maybe it's a she. Who knows? Ah, see what you did there. Just when so, I thought. 
You may manage to turn me around. Excellent. All right. Well, look, we are out of time. We will be back next week when we may. Oh, we'll probably be back a little bit later next week because, of course, uh, events are happening next Monday with the funeral. Um, and yes, our respect, as always, uh, to the royal family. And thank you all for listening. And we'll see you all next week. Cheers, everyone. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.